House podcast. Thank you for listening, thank you for watching, and thank you for supporting. If you would like to become part of the community, uh, I'd uh, ask that you go to ozymandias.locals.com. That's our locals kind of community site. Uh, it is free to join and to basically lurk and watch. Unfortunately, I can't set the minimum subscription level below uh, $2 a month, which is the requirement to be able to comment and post and things like that, uh, which is per perfectly fine. Um, if, if you uh, just want to lurk and watch, you can also always interact with me on Twitter. Um, so if you go to Locals, it's O-Z-Y-M-A-N-D-I-A-S dot locals dot com. On Twitter, I'm on the handle at Paracelsus Burns, P-A-R-A-C-E-L-S-U-S-B-U-R-N-S. Um, today's episode is spurred by a conversation that I had. I sent out a tweet. Let's, let me kind of pull it up here. So um, I was basically kind of talking about... I'll just read the tweet. So... Uh, the laxity that modern man has with approaching God due to the hippification or hippification of the Most High is, is so dangerous. God is love and his willingness to reconcile. This doesn't mean he's now sitting backwards in a chair to chill with you and understand why you, you can't uh, live righteous, uh, righteously. You can't embrace the loving side of the Almighty without also embracing the paternalistic, reprimanding side. You cannot forget that he is to be feared. His judgment is to be feared. He isn't a, he isn't a powerful, uh, he isn't a powerful being. He is the embodiment of all power, known and unknown in creation. Fear God. Thank him for his love and forgiveness, but don't ever forget that he isn't some cool uncle. And then my friend Vin uh, responded that. Um, with, uh, we find it cute or disturbing uh, when our pets ascribe pet motivations to human behavior. He thinks he wants us to play. How reluctant should we be to ascribe human motivations to a being with an exponentially greater relative consciousness uh, differential to us? And I, I think that we were a bit at, at cross paths. He, he was basically saying that the issue was... Uh, that he was disagreeing with me on was ascribing human, human motivations, which are limited uh, to God. Uh, describing what God does is bearing witness, laying the claim explicitly or implicitly to knowing why God does any particular thing and thereby sitting in judgment of others is what threatens the relationship one has with God. And then was asking if I'm doing exactly what I'm admonishing against. And that's not necessarily... Uh, without without merit as far as uh, do I at times sometimes exhibit the same behaviors that I admonish others of. Um, basically, you know, hypocrisy as we all do and are all guilty of. And it's very much, you know, possible that, that uh, to some extent, I, I think maybe I still wasn't making myself specifically clear on on what I was trying to convey I suppose. And basically, just just to make it really abundantly clear, my point is like so much of the post-conciliar, at least within Catholicism, the post-conciliar church is very much focused on this... I don't want to blame Thomas Merton, but like this, this kind of, I call it the hippification because so much of what came out of Vatican II and a lot of these changes and, and things are, 
are, are based on 60s or really pre-60s, but morality, theology, and ideology that influence the 60s and kind of is really uh, very much to do with kind of the social movements that you saw in America and in Europe, you know, or I should just say the West at large in the 1960s, right? And you saw this influence in, in the church and how a, a lot of this focus on God is love, like where you even saw this in devotions um, where the sacred heart of Jesus was a, a very large devotion, pre-Vatican II, post-Vatican II, it's more divine mercy, um, which I, I don't, uh, unlike some trads that have a problem with, with the, with the divine mercy devotion, more in terms of it replacing the sacred heart, but along the same lines of what I'm talking about, they have a, they have a problem with it because they think that now we're just so focused on mercy that now we are falling into the sin of presumption of mercy in that we're so focused on devotions that relate to, well, God is merciful, God is merciful, God is merciful, that we almost start to expect that God will just be merciful, which leads into this Balthazarian um, uh, concept of maybe pretty much everybody is saved, which is dangerous. So my, what I'm trying to get at is that God is love. That is not incorrect. God is merciful. If you look through all of history from the Israelites through the um, Christ's sacrifice and then all throughout of church history, you'll just see a constant, um, of course, at the individual level, but even at the level of where you would think that at the higher levels, you would at least have some sort of consistency of being pretty good uh, about being consistent with Christian principles or with, with uh, Jewish principles, you know, pre, pre Christ. And that, you know, those in charge and those at higher levels, one would hope, I should say, not assume, would at least hold to a modicum and, and to a certain degree for certain periods. Yes. Uh, but overall, you just see constantly messing up and messing up and messing up and messing up at some lower levels and some, or at some uh, lower levels of messing up, and then some some very high levels of messing up. And in that way, God is very merciful, um, or at least if he wasn't merciful at any time, he could just call the judgment down. He could just have the judgment occur, you know, especially when we've hit the, the lowest points uh, of which we are starting to hit one now or are well on our way into it. We're definitely not at a bottom yet, um, but we're definitely not anywhere near a top or on the uh, on the bad side of that uh, of that slope. And God's own words. Uh, God's own revelations to prophets and to saints and, uh, and and through the church and its teachings is that that God is merciful. This is a fact. God is also judgmental. And I think this is something that we've lost. I, I think like if you look at um, when they, when they kind of talk about in politics, there's this constant swing back and forth between what they always uh, frame as left and right. Uh, that at, at points, 
you know, it, it kind of swings back and forth pretty slowly. And then at times the wobble starts to get out of control. You start wildly swinging over to the left. And then the counter reactions, wild swing over to the right and those sorts of things. Which, by the way, is it's what we're in the middle of uh, in, in this massive shift that we're going through. Um, and I, I think one can make an argument that there that there was uh, a preponderance of focus on the judgmental side of God, and that's also why the theology started to swing more towards because uh, it was more exciting uh, to talk about the merciful side, um, but. I think that we've definitely uh, jumped the shark on on mercy, or at least the focus on that is that. And now, what I see with a lot of people and the theology that has come out of the extreme focus on the merciful side of God is this Balthazarian dare we hope concept of most people are in fact actually saved, or at least that was the the supposition of of his work, or at least what could be inferred by it which is repeated by Bishop Barron uh, among many others. And I think you do an incredible disservice. You cannot embrace God unless you embrace all that he is and all that he's, I don't want to say stands for, but all that he has shown himself to be through Christ's sacrifice. He saw the merciful side, but and you, some people argue, well, it was the Old Testament God that was a lot more judgmental and vengeful and all that. But now since Christ, it's not. Well, how can you read the book of the Apocalypse? The Apocalypse of St. John, or as we now more often call it, the book of Revelation, and not have any idea that that there's not this judgmental side still to God. I mean, it was literally promised the the the, the apostles. Saints all throughout history have constantly reiterated this, this concept of what is included in the last book, talking about what is, you know, not, this is not, Apocalypse was not talking about, you know, here and there, there's going to be some times when God just kind of comes down and, and, you know, has a little judgment on a few people. Like, this is the final judgment. It's constantly reiterated that there's a vast majority of people are not going to make it um, to heaven and or uh, the, the 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 amount of people who are going to remain faithful is is smaller than the amount of people who say that they are faithful prior to these events. So I, I think that you do a great disservice to people when you constantly focus just on the mercy. Um, I think that just like any any parent, and this is where I think Vin is 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 making a good point in that we are anthropomorphizing God in a way. Um, although I think that's different than a dog because we are taking a creature that we had nothing to do with and, and no, I guess you could say in a way we've created them as far as for uh, breeding them to be man's best friend and, and do all these kinds of things and that take on, or at least preferential, um, preferential breeding um, towards dogs that would take on uh, semi-anthropomorphic tendencies uh, to kind of play into these uh, tendencies that we do have. Um, but we are created in the image of God, so in a way we aren't anthropomorphizing him to have a humanity-ish concept or at least to somewhat meld uh, 
somewhat some aspects of humanity on there in that we are in his image but the point of him being is that we're ascribing or or that perhaps i was ascribing beliefs of i i don't really think i i i i don't think i was ascribing as he was saying reasons why god would do this or that um i i think that it is very much factual that god is loving and god is also a, a, a judging god he is also a god of fire and brimstone as much as he is a god of love and sacrifice and Vin agreed as much I, I don't think that i'm ascribing why i think god does this or that some of the reasons that he does things i mean it's been constantly reiterated that it's literally you know it, it is because of sin of why we are experiencing different judgments at different times um but to reread that um I don't think I was ascribing human motivations at all. Um, and there is a level of, you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily hubris to make claims of no, like, I guess I, I understand his, his point of saying to say that you know why God does that and know his motivations uh, is heresy. And that that is true to to an extent. We, we can, I think that it is a heresy to guess why. I think that one can make, one can make a relatively accurate statement on why you know, like Sodom and Gomorrah occurred because of great sins and specific sins. Um, Nineveh was going to be um, was going to be destroyed uh, had not um, uh, Jonah gone there, or I guess kind of in, almost in spite of him, uh, because the people of Nineveh actually saved themselves. But we do have good indications of why things have happened and why God has judged x people or x city or x group of people or damn them or punish them and i think we can use that as a map i don't think that god would have included these admonitions as well as um admonitions to change your ways admonitions to stop sinning and then um judgments and punishments and to make sure that that was written down by prophets that was included in these eternal texts if they weren't to be used as a guide for the future, not to predict the future, but to understand that maybe not understanding the, you know, because that is true. We don't really understand why things work out. And I think that's one of the reasons why people have so many problems with this concept of, well, why does God allow evil in the world? Why does God take a three-year-old, right? Why would a three-year-old child, why would a, um, a child in the womb be taken? And it's very hard to figure out why these things happen. Um, in my own experience, I still, I still don't understand. Um, but we also don't, we have no way. It's not that, the, you know, we just haven't thought it out right. There's no way for us in our very limited capacities um, 
infinitesimally limited when compared to uh, God uh, of understanding the whys of things. Um, we don't understand the whys. They aren't one. They're not for us to understand. It's not important for us to understand why God does what he does. God is eternal. He is the creator. He is literally to put it in materialist terms. He's gravity. Like we don't ever go, why does gravity pull me down when I jump off a building? That's unfair. That's dumb. Why does that happen? We go, gravity is in the same way. God is. You don't ask why you just know that is how it is. And you, act accordingly in your life. And that's why you don't decide if you're on the fifth floor of a building and you see a food truck down there, you decide to take the stairs or the elevator instead of just jumping off the thing and going, well, why would God allow me to fall on my death? Well, that's just how things work. You don't question it. You abide by it. Um, so, you know, the, we won't ever really understand the why the things uh, i got a ladybug over here that's perfect we won't understand why the things work the way that they do and i don't think we ever will i was just going over my the catechism um well actually the baltimore catechism i'd recommend everybody if they have a chance to get the catechism explained by uh reverend francis sparago it's a pretty thick book but it goes into detail every aspect of the catechism and the whys and everything but i was going through the baltimore catechism with my children and uh we were going over the concept of the trinity which is always difficult uh especially when you're first learning about it of understanding three persons but one god and and we we can't understand that and one of the things was you know when will uh, we understand the mysteries of god uh, when will we understand um you know, the mysteries of God and how there can be three persons in, in, in one God and how does the Trinity function? And the answer is just as good for us as it is for children that we won't until we are actually reunited, or I should say that once our souls are in union with God in the kingdom of heaven, can we actually understand any of these things? And I just, I don't think that it will be possible to actually do any of that until we get to that point. Or I shouldn't say, I, you know, it's not a matter of me thinking. I mean, that that is how it is. And so a lot of these questions of, of the, the quote-unquote motivations for God doing a certain thing or not doing a certain thing are, are things that we won't understand until then. And... So I think I, I, I agree with Vin in that position. I don't I don't think that I was actually trying to ascribe uh, motivations or say like I know why God does this. My point was that we have we have to embrace all aspects of God. We can't just choose the warm and fuzzy parts, or we can't choose to um, ignore the 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 mercy merciful side in favor of well it's all about punishment and everybody who doesn't do or isn't as good as me is going to burn in hell. Um, you have to have a balance. I shouldn't say even balance means that's a bad concept because balance kind of infers almost that you're kind of cutting off a little bit here and a little bit there to kind of find it in the middle. You have to embrace all aspects, a hundred percent of this aspect and a hundred percent of this aspect, a hundred percent of this aspect and this, you know, so on and so forth. There's not the, uh, you know, 
It's, it's not a vending machine where you can kind of pick which parts of God that you want. You have to embrace it all, understand it all. Not only... Not only because he is due that, but because it is incumbent upon us that if we want to understand what we need to do to get to heaven, um, we need to understand God in his fullness. And we need to understand who he is as best that we can. So until we do that... Um, So until we do that, uh, I think it puts us all in danger. I, I, di I just think I'm more focusing on the, the hippification problem just because I think that it does put a lot of people in danger by focusing so much on the mercy and so much on just on God loves you without focusing on the... Also, it's really important to know that if you are not abiding by God's commandments, God's laws and the rules of the church that we will you will end up in a situation you do not want to be in and you are potentially putting your the eternal salvation of your soul in danger but anyways i just kind of spurred out i was thinking about that um i was thinking about that um since i had that interaction this afternoon and i was going to get on twitter again and respond and then i just thought uh, why not just respond uh, via audio and video and put that out there? So anyways, I hope that uh, that helped clear up any questions that you have. If you do have any questions, if you have any episode ideas or things you'd like for me to cover, please uh, feel free to DM me on Twitter. Uh, go to my locals, O-Z-Y-M-A-N-D-I-A-S.locals.com, Ozymandias.locals.com, uh, as well as Paracelsus Burns on Twitter. And um, yeah. Feel free to reach out. Give me ideas on things that you'd like covered. I'm, um, I'm considering actually going section by section in this and not reading it, obviously, because I don't want to turn that into an audio book, but kind of giving my short notes on um, things that, that I've been really enjoying in this catechism. Um, you know, just different things that, that I was just kind of pulling out that I that I hadn't, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about suffering um, lately, and one of the sections was on, you know, they are talking about happiness and suffering and uh, the question of can we attain perfect happiness on earth, and there's, there's other sections of it, but... Uh, Number four was, hence, perfect happiness is impossible on earth, for no man can entirely avoid suffering. No one can escape sickness, suffering, and death. The world is a valley of tears. Vain indeed are the hopes of the modern schools of social democrats, this was written at the turn of the century, who dream of gradually abolishing all evil and misery of the world. And that's that's the key. That's the key, is that suffering... You know, it, it'd be really tempting to become an atheist if they're like, well, you only suffer if you're a Christian um, or, to, you know, Buddhist or whatever, right? If, 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 uh, as long as you weren't a Christian, as long as you didn't follow God, then you wouldn't actually have to suffer. It would be very tempting. Um, but the thing is, you're going to suffer just as much. Uh, actually, as probably as a Christian, you will suffer more. 
I will say that, or at least you'll be more aware of sufferings and you'll be more exposed to it, especially as we come up on here. But the, the thing is, like, do you want, I probably shouldn't do that. Do you want your suffering to mean something or do you want it to be meaningless? Because either way, you're going to suffer. Do you want it to mean something or do you want it to be meaningless? But anyways, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks again for watching. Uh, Te Deum Laudamus. Thank you for listening to Patmos. Thank you.